0: Hey everybody, Mark here. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's Menlo Midweek Podcast. Phil Eubank, our lead pastor, is back on as we dive deeper into his message from this past weekend where we're talking about mystery and wonder and our timeline in God's plotline. So great conversation there and tons of fun too because Jess Havens, our wonderful co-host, is back as well. And shout out to all those that are prepping for and praying for our Rise Against Hunger service project coming up in February where we will be trying to pack hundreds of thousands of meal kits to send to those suffering from food insecurity all around the world. So thanks so much. We'd love to see you there and see you on in person on campus on a weekend. It's so great being with those of you in Mountain View these past couple weekends and seeing all of you there. If you see me on campus, say hi. And now let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Welcome everybody to the Menlo Midweek Podcast. I'm Mark.
1: And I'm Jessica. <sighs> yeah. Yay. Jess is here.
0: Jess is here. Woo. Jess You're is here. You're supposed to join him Jess on Jess is Thank here. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah, yeah, that felt a little forced. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. And Phil's here, too. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's Sipping up, everybody? Easy. Good to see you. Yeah. Jess. Yes. This is your monologue episode. Are you ready to just oh my gosh. fill monologue us in on your, on your life? I have had so
1: many things to say for so long, <laughs> and I haven't had anybody to say them to. I just need to carry around a microphone in front of me so that mm, I'll feel better surprised
2: you, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your listen. phone has that, right?
1: It's true. It voice does. voice memo. Yeah. Yeah, I was sick right before Christmas mm-hmm. and then Christmas happened and luckily I was feeling okay for those like I don't know 6 hours or so that we were running services. Had a great team of support and my boss was like, "Go home if you need to, please." So that felt really good, yeah. but I was okay. Uh then, you know, went on New Year's break. That was really awesome. Got to go visit my best friend down in SoCal. Um, and then came back up, worked one day, and then got sick again. And I oh. was like, are you freaking kidding me? So I was sick for like five days, and, and then I left again, and I went to visit my parents in Florida for a week. Um, and that was just a really sweet, special time. And, um, but it was like Tuesday to Tuesday, so the day we film was yeah. the days I was traveling, yeah. so feels, couldn't be feels- here.
2: Personal, and targeted. Yep. personal mm-hmm. and targeted. personal and targeted.
1: Let's just blame the airlines because that's like one of the cheapest days to fly. So that's kind of what it was. Because okay. I would have liked to go to Florida for Christmas to be with my parents. Yes, but it was like four hundred dollars for one way. For sure. Where it was like Ouch. on sale for one hundred and thirty one way, and then I had points, and so it ended up being oh, nice. like one hundred fifty dollars round trip to that's Florida. exciting. It was amazing. So great. So I ended up just going in January instead. Nice. And Christy. now I'm here and forever. For <laughs> Until next week. How are you, you? How are you feeling? <clears throat> Mostly good. <laughs> no, I'm fine. It's the, I feel great. It's just the weather. Like every morning, I wake up and feel like not congested, but I have to like blow sure. my nose and you know clear out the sinuses a little bit. But that's totally normal for me. So other than that, I feel great. Excited to be back. We're excited to have you here. Thanks. I brought us a present.
0: Oh, what? Is that what that is?
1: It, this is what it, I didn't just bring a plastic bag. I you was know, wondering. I had to you brought us a plastic bag
0: and meat. Yeah. <neat>. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I brought um, this moose when I went to Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I got to bring something from yeah, Florida. Yeah, This is good. Yes. So, oh no, it's stuck.
2: Uh oh. It's
1: a little flamingo. Oh, look at that. With sunglasses on. With sunglasses. And it says Fort Myers. That's where my parents are stationed right now. That's incredible. And it's a magnet. Well, That's awesome. That. yes Yes. Yes. that's fun i thought oh crap i don't know if there's any magnet magnet magnetic stuff but look at that there it is now
2: i heard years ago that they had stopped making lawn flamingos is that true
1: uh not in florida
2: (laughs) well they still exist (laughs) true but i heard that they stopped manufacturing them oh i have no idea that's interesting who knows? I'm I'm gonna Google it right now. If you now. work for you a Big should.
1: Flamingo, let us know. Yeah, if you work for um, a Big Flamingo. Yeah, we went to Black Market Flamingos <laughs> mm-hmm. in Florida. Yeah, I've never been over there. And uh, oh, actually, I have. That's not true. I went to Universal Studios once. But uh, my mom is big into like wildlife and plants and stuff. Yeah. So everywhere we went was like, we're gonna go on this walk that has nature and wildlife and all this stuff. So we saw cool. like. Otters and manatees was my favorite. Absolutely incredible. It's it. They're they're so big. They're so crazy. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Um, we got to see some dolphins on a on a boat we went on, and then uh, we went to this place called the Wonder Zoo. And wait, (laughs) was that that feels fitting? No, wait. Now that I'm thinking that it's wait Brazil? Brazil? yeah right <laughs> anyways it was beautiful and uh they had all these like exotic plants and birds and stuff like that yeah. and they had these flamingos and i was so excited to see them because they're so beautiful um and so then i got that little thing at that little shop
0: amazing yeah
1: and there was peacocks and one of them like was i swear it was staring right at me and it's, it's like feathers came up and i was like is what does this mean? Is this biblical? Like this felt <laughs> mm-hmm. like God was saying something to me. So it was really cool. It was a good time.
0: It sounds like a great time. Yeah. And it sounds like you're alive again. Cause the few times I have seen you in between. <laughs> it's not not that it's not great, but not I was same. not feeling great. Yeah. yeah.
2: Lawn Flamingos, scary. the original inventor has passed away. The original oh. company that had them went out of business in 2006. Another company bought the rights in 2010, and is still manufacturing. Oh, okay. so. Legos, so. Yeah. Everybody subverted. If you were like, I yeah. can't live the rest of my day without that knowledge, <laughs> I get that way with stuff like that. I'm like, I'm going to be thinking about oh, that. Oh, I have to look it up, answer. absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. You're now welcome. We I'm that person that's like watching a movie, and I'm like, they look really familiar. Yeah. IMDb, immediately. I have yeah. to find out who that person is and how I know them. Yeah. On the plane, I started watching a, a show, um, slow horses on prime or not prime apple tv gary oldman good show oh my gosh incredible anyways i was like oh, oh. that lady looks so familiar we're about to take off i'm like out of airplane mode <laughs> on the internet i was like it's still working and i figured out who it was right before i had to turn my phone back off i was very nice. very nervous because i'm like glad i can't go three ta- hours yeah, glad it didn't
2: take your plane
0: down. Yeah. and it I didn't know. take the plane down <laughs> It's good that's so funny <laughs> it's good that's so funny um, we also need to talk about one more thing okay. before we get started. Uh, you led with this in your message. 49ers. I feel like that's something Woo-hoo. that we like, NFC need to mention. Championship. I, yeah. I obviously mm-hmm. knew what Mr. Irrelevant was before you said that. Mm-hmm. Didn't <laughs> have to Google it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've heard the term, but needed to confirm. That's so mm-hmm. funny. Um, I'm assuming we won? We won. We yeah. being the royal we? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. In, you could be a we. I mean, we're going to be
2: in the NFC Championship, so... We won the divisional round of playoffs. Sure. Now we will be in the NFC Championship game against the Detroit Lions. Okay. Ooh. This is their first time in roughly 30 years having a meaningful football team. They've oh. never been to the Super Bowl. Really? And so whoever wins the game between the San Francisco yeah. 49ers and the Detroit Lions played on Saturday. Nope, Sunday. Okay. Uh, I think it's afternoon. Mm-hmm. So still come to church? Uh, still come on. Yep. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, Should we have a party? And then uh, that will be the... Game that decides Super Bowl, and hopefully they'll have better weather. It's going to be here, okay, in San Clara. Oh, it is here that, again? that was yeah, yeah. Detroit they were number one seed, run. so um, Detroit That's is going to be. It is not the team that if you're a Niners fan you want to play right now because oh, really? they are a very physical team. Yeah, mm. they're going to run the entire game and they're going to tire out your pass rush. So, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Brock's going to have to play. Friend of the show. Shout out, Brock. (laughs) Uh, He's going to have to play much better than he did last game. And then Debo Samuel, who is like the number one meaningful offensive threat, uh, was hurt last week. There were some questions about whether or not he had fractured his shoulder. I saw this morning on X slash Twitter that uh, it is not a fracture. So that's That's good news. We'll see if he plays. Um, So that's that's a little bit of the sideline reporter take from my perspective about the game this week. Cool.
1: And you talked about, like – Living on the West Coast is so nice because of watching that, the, like the games, like on time. Yep. Because my dad is now in Florida. Oh <laughs> man, so he's it's brutal. like well, I get to watch the game at eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse
2: me. I'll be up till tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. And
1: that was my segue into uh your sermon. Thanks that so was much. Perfect. That was lovely. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I Just... thought
1: about this morning. I was like, it's going to be so choppy, and I'm gonna have to call it out, but.
2: Good job. I am transitioning I now.
1: <laughs> this is the segue.
2: Yep. That's good. Uh, Sunday Sunday at 3.30 is the game. Sunday at 3.30. Okay. So right come now. Phil's house. I'm sure he wants uh, everyone there. Come on, there. yeah. Right now, <laughs> San Francisco is favored by touchdown. Usually <laughs> home team, which they are, gets about three or four points just because they're at home. Yeah. So then you think it's kind of a toss-up. Not up, like literally. spread. Yeah. Got so, it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And then the That'd Chiefs and the Ravens play uh, earlier at noon, and then we'll know.
0: Okay,
2: who uh, Chiefs and Ravens? Who we're going to be watching for the Super Bowl? Crazy,
0: yeah, fun, yeah. And the Super Bowl is not like soon ish. It'll be a couple weeks. So then they do then they
2: do the Pro Bowl weekend, which no one cares about. Yep. And then they will. After that, the next week will be uh, the Super Bowl. So awesome!
1: Oh, the thirteenth.
2: And then the. um,
1: Is that what
2: it is? uh, I think so. Uh, Let's see. It's not that day. It's not that day. It's the 11th? Oh, 11. I think so. All right. If it's on that Sunday. There you go.
1: The first Sunday of Lent.
2: Look at that.
0: Nice. After we conclude Mm -hmm. our Wired for Wonder series. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Speaking of Wired for Wonder Mm -hmm. series.
0: Yeah. Let's dive in, (laughs) Phil. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're talking about (laughs) timelines and plot lines. I thought that was pretty fun. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, spent some time... Continuing on in Habakkuk, normally when I've taught through Habakkuk, which I had a few people come up to me uh, in the last couple days. Somebody last night, I was at San Mateo. We're doing some vision stuff with uh, smaller groups at campuses. I'll be at Mountain View tonight and then Menlo Park and um, Saratoga in a couple weeks. Um, But somebody was like, I've been in church my whole life. And this was not like a extremely young person, and they were like, I've never heard a sermon on Habakkuk before. So (laughs) I have preached on Habakkuk before. It's one of my favorite books, Uh, but normally I've preached it kind of front to back, start to finish, and so we're doing this series a little different so that we can think about it through these themes, and so Mm -hmm. this week we talked about mystery, and really I think one of the big mysteries that we feel like with God and that Habakkuk certainly felt with God was um, the idea of time. And um, that he had an expectation of God working within a certain time frame. Uh, and God made it very clear that um, there is a bigger plot that than is just Habakkuk's lifetime, which we're all glad, glad for because we wouldn't exist today if the only plot that God had was the chronological age of Habakkuk. The whole world would have ended. Mm-hmm. But we still make the same mistake. We still want God to work within the timeline, not even just the timeline of our life. We want him to work within the timeline of our day. We want him to work within the timeline of our week, or maybe for some of you, the timeline of 2024, you've set some things that you're like, God, I need you to do this this year. Mm-hmm. And it's not that God doesn't want to hear from us. It's not that it's it's wrong to ask that. It's totally fine. But to understand God in this, you know, we. Um, Think about the sermon or the uh, prayer at Gethsemane where Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, said, uh, this is what I want. Like, if there's a way for us to do this um, that doesn't involve me dying, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. remove this cup from me. And then he says, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And if uh, the Son of God has to pray that prayer, I think it's likely that we do too.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Is... I don't know if wrong is the right word, but is it wrong to petition God for things that we want, or is it better to just say, God, you have your will, and I'm just here along for the ride? Is there a balance between the two? Where Where do you think... Um, I don't know if there's a line either, but just how do we balance our wants with what God wants from us?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's not honest, in my opinion. It's, mm-hmm. not, um, it's not honest to say, God, I just... You know whatever you want, I I, I yep. submit to it because it's not true. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> like we we all have things that we want. Mm-hmm. I think the two passages that I think about with that are John fifteen, uh, where Jesus talks about abiding in me. Yep. Um, and the one you abide in me, I'll abide in you. Uh, I you know I'm the vine, uh, you're the branches. My father is the vine dresser. He trims away what's necessary for additional fruit. He takes off what's not bearing fruit and throws it into a pile and lights it on fire. That's a terrifying image. Um, But this idea of constant abiding in Jesus, so like being honest with God, I think is way more important than being correct with God. Hmm. You're not gonna pray something and God's like, well, I guess I have to do it. He -hmm. is not a divine genie. Mm -hmm. And so we say, God, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done, um, not because if we don't say that, God's gonna do something crazy, but because we are acknowledging in that moment of humility, God, you're ultimately in control. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also really like Psalm um, 37.4, which is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And a lot of times this verse gets um, misinterpreted to mean that if you delight yourself in God, then whatever you want, God's gonna give it to you. And so sometimes that gets uh, manipulated through a specific vein of false teaching called the prosperity gospel. Uh, in which if you just have enough faith and you're really trusting God, like this passage talks about, then just kind of whatever you want, as many cars as you want, as big a house as you want, whatever bank account. Uh, What this verse is actually saying in context is that as we delight ourselves in God more and more, God will give us a new heart. He will replace the desires of our heart. And so hopefully, uh, you know, we have a cute video that we're going to show this upcoming week with little kids, and they're talking about God. And hopefully your understanding of God has grown. If you were asked as a little kid, hey, what do you want from God? What do you hope God will do? Your answer would be pretty simplistic. It would be very cute. It would be very sweet. But then 10 years later, you would look back on that and go, oh, wow, yeah, I've learned a bunch. I'm in a different place. And that would keep happening, hopefully, over the course of your entire life. And so Mm -hmm. this idea of, God, what are the desires that you're trying to change in me? And as I abide in you, I give you access to that. And then my prayer over time lines up more and more to your will Mm -hmm. for the world. And then God uses our prayers more and more to bring about his desired will for the world. I think that's a part of spiritual maturity. That's great.
0: And a big driving factor of all of our wants and needs is the idea of our limited time on this earth. And so I thought it was super interesting how right in the beginning you basically say God exists out of time Mm -hmm. and that like basically time revolves around God. And that just made my mind go into so many places. (laughs) I had trouble coming back to your message after you said that. Cause it was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I've thought about that before, but I don't know as how you said it or just the time and the place for it. But, as I heard it, but it was interesting what it did to my brain.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's been a lot of work done in scholarly world to talk about God's eternality, and it is, the only thing we know is time, like all of us, that we, we think about every every aspect of our life is steeped in this kind of idea of Kronos that I talked about, where uh, the TikTok, the January 1st to December 31st, the 24-hour day, the... Uh, 60-second minute, like, that is um, absolutely cooked into our entire worldview of the way we live our lives. But for God, um, not only did he invent it, he exists outside of it. And so, um, you know, when I would work with students, I would talk about, like, when I was little, I really liked Lego characters, and I would, like, work with Legos. I I had uh, two (laughs) older brothers, and so I had a bunch of hand-me-down stuff of Legos. And I would joke with them, like, I never had a Lego character look up at me and be like, you know what, I would do this thing over here that you're doing differently than you're doing it. And it would have been absurd, right? First of all, Legos can't do that. A but Lego s-
1: movie, though. Right, right, sure, yeah, sure. Yes. Uh,
2: besides the-, <laughs> the Lego movie. Um, but, you know, the idea being, hey, I there's actually a design, there's an architecture that I brought to this thing. I'm in charge of it. Now think about that on a literally infinite greater scale and not just designing that moment, but designing every moment throughout all of human history. Because the crazy part of the created order is that time is relative to our universe, and that in new heavens and new earth, time will likely be different. And so when we think about how we experience time now, it's a result of the way the universe functions. It's the way the universe functions in a fallen creation. Mm -hmm. And so what will time look like on the other side of that? By the way, it's still even on the other side of that, an object of God's creation, because there was a time where the universe did not exist. Mm -hmm. Even scientists, actually, would acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think for us, it's, it's just recognizing, hopefully, a greater extent of trust that we can extend to God, where we say, oh wow, if you really are this big, if you really do see things at this vantage point, It is easier for me, God, to say, even though I don't trust or expect or even fully trust that I can see what's coming. um, Increasingly, I can believe that you have a plan that's bigger than what I see. Yeah,
1: that's usually my prayer. It's like, this is what I want. This is my desire. You know my desire. I'm, I'm sad. I don't have it yet. This is hard. Your will be done. Whatever. Like (laughs) it kind of (laughs) resolves into that. And obviously, I truly, truly do believe that. Mm. But it's hard when it doesn't align with what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And you know, like for me, it's not being in a relationship and looking back, I see a lot of reasons of like why things didn't work out. And you talked a little bit about that in your message too, of looking back and like, I know why that didn't work out. I know that there's things like this. I think if I was married at 25, I'd probably be divorced by now because I'm a different person than I was then and all these things. Mm. But then there's still this like, but I think you could have done this and worked this out. But again, your will be done. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm trying to remember. Did I mention this? I don't remember where I mentioned it. I mentioned it recently. I don't think it was this weekend. Um, but I think, you know, a really powerful image that I think about is, um, uh, maybe I was listening to a podcast talking about it. But during the, um, during the Crusades, uh, there were soldiers that when they would get baptized— they would get bad, you know, this Mm-mm. they would get baptized with their hand and their sword out of the water. Hmm. And it was this way of saying to God, Hey, God, you get like all of me except this oh part. Oh my God, I gotta keep doing this. And I think that, um, I think for a lot of us, like we do that, hmm. uh, with parts of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, God, I know that you want to have control of this part of my life, I mm-hmm. know you want to have control of this part, and you can have it, God, you can have it. But then there are some areas, and I think in Silicon Valley, um, I think romance, certainly sexuality, uh, and money feel like the ones that if we had sort of the Crusades version hmm. of the sword that we leave out of the water, those would be the parts like, God, we'll give you everything else if you do this our way. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I-, I think that is not the way God works, yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, somebody somebody recently was like, Well, God is a perfect gentleman. He'll never uh he'll never force his way in your life. And I'm like, uh what? Like that that is not the experience that I've had. God has forced his way in my life many times. <laughs> and in hindsight, I'm always really thankful for it. Yeah. In the moment though, not always thankful mm-hmm. for it.
1: No, no, no. Uh, go go back. Come back right, later. Right, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm good. I got it, got it, got yeah. it. We're good. We got we're something good. else going
2: yeah. on here. And so yeah, I mean, I think that um it is always it is always a temptation for all of us to say, God, not your will, mine be done. Like yep. that's, yep. let's delay yours. And um, we have good reasons, reasons that make sense to us, but mm-hmm. our plan and view is really limited. Yeah.
0: There are themes of, of faith and obedience and submission to God's plan throughout this message, but you did te- pull or tease a thread of idolatry, mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it was kind of a, a subsection of the message that you, you acknowledged, but I think it intersects pretty well with the idea of trying to align our will with God's will, making that our prayer, um, is in, in the example that we read, um, it was physical idols, right? It was carving <laughs> physical little things that people would stand there, statues they would pray to. There was a question that we got: Are are can idols look differently now? Can it be? Can idols be uh, marriage? Can idols be um, maybe this job or this promotion or other? Like, what is an idol today, and how can we help identify those for ourselves in order to? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: um, yes, is the answer. Idols can be (laughs) uh, anything in our life that we make the god of our life. Right. That's what an Mm -hmm. idol is, and uh, we don't. We don't want that to be true, and we're really good at making up excuses. Like right. I'm really good at making up excuses. Like oh, it's not, it's not like the god of my life. You know, I mean, I'm gonna reposition all of my priorities so that it's the most important thing, and it hits my schedule, and it's the thing that gets my most um, gets the biggest priority financially, and I push other things and other people away in order to do it. But it's like it's not the most. You no, know, that's right. that's you're describing the most important <laughs> thing in your life. Hmm. Um, and so I think uh, it is. It is likely that we all struggle with probably a fairly common set of idols. Um, I think that I've used the phrase before, it's not my line, um, that in our culture, identity is the new idolatry. Mm -hmm. Uh, That I think that, you know, it's very common in like a party where someone will say, hey, what do you do? do, Mm -hmm. right? We don't even really know culturally how to interact with one another without that question. Mm -hmm. We feel like your vocation is your identity is your idolatry. That's a very easy path to take, especially in kind of your mid-career space. Um, If you're talking to somebody younger in their career, maybe you'll say, like, what do you do? And then they say something that you feel like that can't be your goal, right? Like, I'm a server at Denny's. Like, Mm -hmm. amazing. Like, But what do you want to do, right? We're sort of asking that question. Um, and then I think that uh, I've heard the line before, I think it might be from Jackie Hill Perry, uh, that anything in our life without a boundary is an idol. Hmm. Which is an uncomfortable statement, right? Hmm. So you think about the things in your life that you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, I just I'm just going to sit down and turn on Netflix and never turn it off, right? Um, I'm just going to enjoy um this part of my life, this person in my life, this substance in my life, this activity or hobby in my life, and there is never an end to, I will just do it forever." Sort of the binge culture, uh, I think, can easily reveal some idols for us. So, Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I think that in Silicon Valley, uh, money and kind of success that's wrapped up in that, uh, relationships, sexuality, I think those are very common idols. Um, but I think if you're a person of faith, for you, maybe idolatry is how long you've been going to your church. Idolatry mm-hmm. might mean how many times you've read through the Bible, or if you did a Awana, or what sort <laughs> of like spiritual resume stuff you carry into a conversation that you feel like makes you better than other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it can also be the way your a family appears to be perfect, uh, the perceptions that others have of your marriage. Uh, I, I think all of those things... Most of us, we aren't worshiping idols like, like Paul talked about, mm-hmm. in that we have these statues in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I joked around on the screen about like screens, devices that can become things that are kind of idols for us, which I th- think is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of idols for us um, really are good things that we've made ultimate not bad things that we've elevated and so what are the good Mm -hmm. things in your life that probably need boundaries you know we we try to practice this with our kids our kids would watch youtube uh all day every day if we let them that would be the only thing they would watch and um we like i just try to reinforce with our kids there is always a time limit on how much Mm -hmm. you get to watch youtube always and it's to condition them to say like hey, this is not just good for you to have things in your life that exist forever. You know, one of the really damaging design concepts that lots of us have in the way we use our devices, uh, the line I say sometimes when I teach on it is how our devices become our vices, is a feature called infinity scroll, Mm -hmm. where it's something that literally just never ends. There was a day with technology, even with stuff like Instagram, Mm -hmm. where they tested a feature where when you would scroll... Uh, before stories were as big a deal and stuff, you would scroll and you would get to the place that you had been before, mm-hmm. and it just said, all caught up. Mm-hmm. And you know what they found? They found that people stopped using the app after that. <laughs> and so they were like, oh, never I mind. that. That was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, and so then they dropped in a whole bunch of other people's stuff and suggestions so that you never felt done. And
0: uh, I just think we should be cognizant of what that does mm-hmm. inside of us. Yeah. So is it... When when I'm thinking about idols, I think about worshiping said idol. So what is it about our attention? Is it the attention? Is it the importance that we give this? Is it the the focus away from other things? What makes that worship translate to, man, I don't worship Instagram, but I'm on it for twelve hours. Right. So can you connect those dots for me? Yeah, well and mm-hmm.
2: I mean we think about today the 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 way that all of this technology works is often referred to as the attention economy. And you could argue that uh, our devotion, what we are devoted to is what we are most attentive of. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. if you think about it through that lens, you go, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I, I I, spend time listening to the Menlo Midweek podcast, so obviously, but right now, are you listening at like 1.5 speed, while doing four tasks, while ignoring some kids, while trying to get something done at the office? Like, that may show that attentiveness is hard for you i may have recommended um this book before it's not a christian book but it's called the shallows what the internet is doing to our brains mm. and it's really a book from a sociological and psychological perspective that's talking about the neural neurological impact on our attention span that all of these things are having that like it, it's not helpful it's actually hurting us and i think that god is trying to develop in us a deep and rich prayer life, a deep and rich abiding with him. And the more distracted we become, the more difficult it is to do that. And I think distraction and all this attention um, economy stuff, we talked about this last week uh, on the weekend, it really roots us in worry. It's a Dallas Willard quote, right? Worry is the greatest threat to spiritual formation. It's the greatest enemy of spiritual formation. I think that's true. Uh, And I think our our devotion and the way we connect our attention consistently to God is a really big part of that. I I was listening to a podcast yesterday with John Mark Comer, and I don't remember, he was probably quoting some 4th century monk knowing John (laughs) Mark, but he talked about somebody whose quote was... Uh, how you are outside of prayer is how you show up inside of prayer. And it was like, oh, I don't like how that feels. Mm. And he was like, you know, if you have a hard time focusing on one thing in your daily life, if you're always hurried in a mess and then you go into prayer, guess how that prayer is going to go. And so God wants to cultivate and develop our entire lives so that even when spiritual practices take place, we can bring our whole selves to them, and then it becomes this really beautiful cycle of healing and being present that as we experience that with God and with people who are following God with us, we bring that to every other area of our life as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of times those other parts of our lives, they become idols because our devotion and attention is going to them, and it's not just because of what they're doing or not doing, it's because of what that's doing to us Mm -hmm. when we then try to redirect it back to God.
1: Mm. It's really interesting when you... Something gets put into words like that because <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy, mm-hmm. that is my life. Yeah. You're like, I don't like how that feels. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yep.
2: Undo.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Delete, delete. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if, if anyone else is feeling like this, too, but it feels like for me, efficiency can be an idol. Oh, 100%. Mm. Yeah. And is it, what is what is trying to be more efficient so I can get more done mm. doing to my formation? Hmm. So yeah. I'm gonna be thinking about that. Well, and how often do we? How often
2: do we say, God, I want to accomplish? I actually think sometimes being overwhelmed is helpful for me in this way because I have to ask God, God, what is it that I need to accomplish today? Because I won't accomplish everything that I need to today. I won't. And so, God, what are the things that I need to do mm-hmm. today? I want to show up to every conversation that I'm in fully present. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want the work that I need to get done to be done well. And so, rather than doing 50 things poorly, what are the handful of things that I need to get done? And would it be great to get all those things done today? Of course it would be. But that's not realistic, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think especially some of the work that I do that's like content development and writing, there are times where it can go really fast and easily, Mm -hmm. and then there are times where it is a slog and it just takes time and Mm -hmm. it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think saying, all right, God, you have something to teach me in both of those seasons. I want to hear you no matter which one of those I'm doing. And uh, I think sometimes we can, uh, we can presume on God what he wants us to do on any given day. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, the Lord's Prayer and he says, give us this day our daily bread, that's not just talking about what we need um, to, to take in in our diet, right? That's saying, God, there's, there's what I have in front of me today for what I need to do today. Would you give me clarity and provision for
0: that? Mm-hmm. That is patience over panic.
2: Woohoo, look at
0: ooh. you. hmm hmm That's right. I thought that was a great definition for reverence. It's not a definition I've heard before, but is that a Phil? or is that a fourth century monk?
2: Uh, <laughs> it's not a fourth century monk. It, it, it's too pithy for that. Okay. I don't know that they would have done it. <laughs> I'm not even sure I wrote that. I think I might have just said that.
0: Wow. Well, Great yeah, job!
2: Phil. I think I might have just said that. Sometimes that they just they just come out that way. It's because I grew up Baptist, so those little <laughs> phrases are <laughs> cooked <laughs> in there somewhere.
1: Oh, there it is! I see it. What oh, is nice. that the Bruce Lee quote? Patience nope. yeah, yeah. is not passive. On the contrary, it's active. It's concentrated strength. Is that what you just said? Uh, no, that was that different. Was I just saw the before. word patience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Never mind.
0: Yep. <laughs> but I thought that was great um, to have to have patience. <clears throat> it. Connotates a slowness that is not rushed and hurried, and if we are like me, doing things a thousand times mm. and trying to get everything done instead of just focusing on the things that I should or mm. God needs me to get done or wants me to get done, then I have significantly less patience. Mm-hmm. So well, that was great. Yeah, and I, I mean,
2: I think that it it's not it's not usually like a it, it it's an overly simplified concept. So I want to be fair to people. Uh, it's it's usually not that binary. It's probably more of a spectrum between mm-hmm. uh, what is the level of panic and anxiety in me mm-hmm. that is almost certainly opposed to what God wants to do in my life um, or what God wants to do through me or how God wants me to show up with my spouse or my kids or my friends or my roommate or my colleagues or my classmates. Uh, this idea of... God, would you help me to be patient that there's a plan that's bigger than my immediate circumstances? And it, the more I choose that, the less I have to panic in the moment. And the the more I think I'm able to abide in Jesus through that patience. Mm-hmm. And then I think that like one of the greatest gifts we can give is that when we are in circumstances where other people are panicking, maybe that's at work, maybe that's at school, and you find yourself going, you know what, I'm... I'm confident that God is going to do something because God has consistently done something in my life. And so if I just show up to this, God, with a level of patience and peace that you give me that transcends understanding Philippians chapter four, um, I'm going to be able to bring something to this that's a vision of your kingdom for this group of people, even if they're not Christians, Mm -hmm. that will stand out. And I think when we talk about what does it mean to be a thoughtful witness of Jesus in the Bay Area, uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's a gift we... Uh, genuinely can carry with us yes that's so good
0: what else phil what else would you have included if you had more time anything that you scrapped that you think is worth mentioning now
2: um i mean i think that the cool thing about this series is that we um pretty narrowly focused each week and so uh i think that the the stuff that the, in terms of content, I felt pretty good about the overall content that got articulated. Uh, I always want to be able to do stuff like we did at the end of the talk, where it's mm-hmm. like, "All right, God, what are the things that I need to actually surrender? Like, what are the things I walked into twenty twenty four? Either it's like a resolution, or a, if I don't get this promotion by, if they don't propose by, if I don't I can't have a kid, you know, like all these like timelines that we've presumed on God, and we've basically uh, what is it called? We've given God uh, like an ultimatum in our relationship mm. with Him, um, which I think probably the creator of the universe, like it'd be like my four-year-old doing that. It's like, oh, that's really sweet, buddy. Like, <laughs> that's not how life works. Like, mm. and and I think God is kind of like that with us. He's like, that's so sweet, and yeah. I love you, and that's absurd. Um, but he's close to the brokenhearted, you know. And so, uh, I, I would I would have loved to be able to um, spend a little bit more time giving people a chance throughout the talk to process moments like that, because I know that these concepts are very difficult, and they're not the ones that we sign up to process all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you really did believe that your plan for a family, if you really did believe that your plan for a career, if you really did believe that your plan for your own personal accomplishments could be submitted to God and you could let go of your plan, uh, what would the next 12 months look like? And giving people ways to slice that up in each category of their life, I I think even though we weren't able to do that this weekend, I would just invite you, if you're listening to this, um, maybe after this podcast, put on some lo-fi music in the car or while you're doing whatever that uh, thing is at the house, um, or even just sitting by yourself. And rather than just tuning into the next podcast or putting an audio book on or even music, uh, just put something on and say, Lord, where are the areas that... I have a timeline that assumes your plotline rather than the other way around. And um, I think that there is profound peace, profound peace, as we can surrender our own timeline. It doesn't mean that we say, God, I have no wants and desires. We want to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, But we can get to the end of that prayer, just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, nevertheless, not my timeline, your plotline. That's awesome.
1: Did you ever just feel like a sermon was written to you? Cause that's (laughs) kind of how
2: I felt (laughs) this weekend. It was really good. So thank you. Thanks very much. Usually, uh, usually when people say, Hey, that was a really good sermon. I, uh, don't know what to do with that feedback. So, uh, thank you. But I also feel like, um, you know, usually I think where I relate to most sermons is when it's the intersection of the content and my context. Mm -hmm. Like when those two things line up and that's got a lot more to do with the Holy Spirit than it does me. Um, but yeah, I think all of us, uh, all of us have things in our life that have not gone according to our plans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if we were honest and look back, I think like you've already highlighted, there are things that if we looked back a decade, we would think to ourselves, this is what I was asking for a decade ago. And thank God <laughs> yeah. it didn't work out the way mm-hmm. that I wanted. You know, mm-hmm. I, I always would joke about this with um, think about the think about the person that you wanted to marry or you wanted to spend mm-hmm. your life with as a middle schooler. <laughs> And you're like, what if God said yes to that prayer? Yeah. Like, it would have universally gone poorly. Yeah. It would have universally gone. Like, we're so glad God didn't do that. But somewhere along the way, we think, yeah, but that's not true anymore. But we didn't think it was true when we were in middle school. We thought we knew what was best for us in high school. (laughs) We thought we knew what was best for us in our early 20s. We thought uh, at some point (laughs) in life, I think part of spiritual formation is realizing we don't know what's best for us. Only God does. And it doesn't mean that we don't have desires, mm-hmm. but it means they start with acknowledging God. You know what's best for me, and God's big plan is not just for me; it's for we, it's mm-hmm. for everybody. It's this yeah. big plan, and so saying, God, what would it be? What would it look like? What do you need to do? And I and I think that a lot of times uh, that comes to what are our bigger priorities. What are the bigger priorities that I wanted? And I think my um, my dad near the end of his life was not a Christian, and I was. I mean, I was literally saying to God, like do whatever you have to in my life for my dad to know you. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, my individual circumstances, I was like, I'm willing to do whatever has to happen to me in order for you to get to him. And ultimately, actually, God brought physical suffering to my dad, and then he eventually did make a decision to follow Jesus mm-hmm. before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think moments like that are these beautiful reminders. Because you think about that, and God's not going like, oh, I, I want to make sure that Phil's dad knows me. Uh, you go to 1 Peter and it says, God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to know him. He has this redemptive plan for all of humanity mm-hmm. in which he's calling people out to a relationship with him. And I think I said it this way this weekend, like, we are saying, God, uh, jump over that one and get to that one and then king me. Like, we're playing checkers mm-hmm. and God is playing this infinite game of chess. Mm-hmm. And we're like, why did you do that, God? You know, why did you... And he's like, we're playing a different game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think... we are onions like we're all developmental onions and we we figure out layer by layer and then we go why do I have to learn this lesson again because a different part of you is learning it you're learning it at a different point in your life and there's no there's no fast forward there's no microwave there's no instant pot there's no streaming your way through this like Mm -hmm. it just takes time
0: Mm -hmm. awesome well part of what I've loved most about this series is the opportunity for people to send in their questions Mm -hmm. and so again this I want to continue. Please, text in your questions forever. We'd love to answer as many of those as we can. We mentioned uh, we, we answered one earlier in the podcast. I have a Wonderbox entry for this week. Oh, nice. And then we'll get to another one. But, um, Phil, you've mentioned before that you have dyslexia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that applies to all areas of your life except for when you read the Bible. That's right. Hmm. I, I think we've we've mentioned we've glossed over that, but, like, as I'm wondering— in this series. Like, that's just incredible. Yeah. And so I just want to give some more space to that and just like <laughs> your thoughts ab- ab- about that and why that happens or.
2: Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't, it's I don't interesting. have, uh, I mean, other than just saying, thank you, God, I don't have, um, like a ton of explanation for why it works yeah. that way. I can make it even more confusing for you, which is oh, God extended the same grace to me. I studied Greek and Hebrew in undergrad and grad school. Um, and Both of those are usually the hardest courses for everyone in undergrad and grad school. It's actually why a lot of people don't take a Master of Divinity degree. They just take a Master's degree because you can avoid the languages. Uh, Those were, for me, other than like a preaching class, the easiest classes I ever took, Hmm. And it was just like, it just came naturally. Hmm. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, And, you know, I joke around. My mom uh, was Jewish. Uh, by blood. I'm Jewish by blood. And um, so like Hebrew, I don't know, was it in my blood, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, for whatever reason, those have just, um, yeah, those have been some of the most life-giving and they have, you know, when I talk about like being in the flow over the last couple weeks, studying the scripture, studying the scriptures in the original languages, it's the easiest place for me to like get in the flow. It's just mm. not a, wow. I do all of my personal study um, before I go look at a commentary. Because for me, that like would break it up in my head like I want to have sort of the way I see that passage or the way that I would think about studying it personally or teaching it publicly I want to have all that sort of framed out first rather than putting other people's thoughts in there Um, but yeah I mean I think it was just kind of a unique grace that God has given me and certainly when I was young and um, you know trying to process what I could do they almost held me back I don't know if it was kindergarten or first grade um, because everyone else could read Mm -hmm. and I couldn't read Mm. um and so there was like i didn't know this at the time but i actually i have very few childhood memories but i remember this one moment where i got up and i didn't know that the stakes were this but if i didn't read out loud on that day they were going to hold me back mm. and uh so i stood up and there was something that i had to read for the class and i did and so that's like a weird combination hmm. for me of a reading disability and a learning disability where it's very hard for me to understand concepts. Uh, sometimes, but once I understand them, I sort of understand them forever, and so um, yeah, I think some of the struggle of that God has used in me uh, for how I show up as a as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor. Um, you know, I don't I don't expect stuff to be easy, um, but yeah, reading and studying, um, I enjoy it, and uh, when I can have kind of uninterrupted time to do it, it's a huge gift. So interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. My brain is like, okay, so, niche question. I'm ready. Um, when you're preparing for your message, right, you have the words that Phil wrote down, mm-hmm. then you have the Bible, and then you have the words that Phil's saying about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Are the words before and after the Bible scrambled, but the Bible verses are not? Like, how, How? like, you know what I am mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah, so uh, I would say dyslexia is a little bit more subtle than that. Okay. You don't, like, look at a page and think, uh, this is hard to read. Sometimes, if you're really, if I'm really tired, it feels that way. Interesting. Um, but you kind of look at it, and I would say most dyslexic people that have it pretty significantly, they would say, "I don't read. I recognize." Uh, so I I recognize more words than I read. Uh, hmm. Also, when I'm writing, so I have a big screen in the back of the room that has a, a very detailed outline of what I'm teaching. I have read through that script multiple times, and I am for sure just recognizing those guys. I'm not reading it, yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. and so that that helps. When I type, I'm not. Uh, I'm pretty good at typing, so I'm not looking at the screen as I'm typing. Sometimes, if you look at me typing, I'm actually closing my eyes, hmm. and I'm just kind of typing what I'm thinking. I'm preaching the message in my head, and I write sermons in a pretty narrative way, uh, so it, it has my voice to it. Um, so, I mean, I think everybody has their own. Mm -hmm. their own way some people are Mm going to build a structured outline and then kind of build out from there sometimes i do that uh but i think especially in series i know here's the text here's the study of the text here's the key principle that i'm working on here's the structure that i'm going to kind of work on Mm -hmm. and honestly a lot of that's kind of living in my head when i'm starting on it and then i like i'm i'm typing good morning menlo thanks for joining like that I'm, I'm just writing my sermon. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll come back through it and tinker and work and oh, I, need to, I said that here, I need to say that here and mm-hmm. copy and paste and all that stuff. But I'll read through it. This last week was the first time that I delivered a version of my message on a Thursday uh, in preparation for the weekend, which was really helpful. I did that for a lot of years before Menlo. Uh, and then I read through it Saturday night or Sunday morning early and kind of pray through, God, do what you need to do, which only you can do with this in the lives of your people. Um, And then it's it's go time. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. The the places where dyslexia, um, it's really funny, like, where I've had to augment or adjust. If people say, hey, have you read this book? And I say yes, oftentimes I'm saying I listened to this book because it's Mm -hmm. very easy for me to listen to books. I listen to lots (laughs) of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's a really good book, I will listen to it first, and then I will read it. Um, And when I'm reading it, because I've already listened to it, uh, I kind of am recognizing the words again. Mm. Like I know the structure of yeah. the book in my head. So, um, but it kind of locks it in a little differently. So, yeah,
0: thanks for that insight.
2: Wow. There you go. Cool. It's weird. Yep. I'm a quirky
0: guy. Yeah. If you didn't know before, <laughs> now you know. Yep. All right. Last question. Uh, we've gotten a few around this similar topic. And if there was an answer to this question, it wouldn't need to be asked. So, How do we know Jesus was Jesus? How do we know Jesus was the Messiah? How do we know Jesus was who he said he was? In that vein of question, what is, and I'm sure you've had different answers to this throughout your life, what's Phil's answer right now? Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that there are two main ways to answer a question about faith discovery. That's the way I would describe these questions. One is called presuppositional apologetics. Have we talked about this? Presuppositional Uh apologetics, it basically presupposes that the Bible is God's Word. yeah, yeah. And then there's rational apologetics, Mm -hmm. which is, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you don't believe the Bible is true. There are two uh, sometimes very rigid extremes in the space of apologetics. So it's like, you can only use the Bible. And then there are people that are like, never use the Bible. Uh, I'm like a (laughs) use-whatever-works person. And so uh, I think there's a great book, uh, Josh McDowell wrote it, called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. That will give through uh, like a bunch of sort of both arguments mm. that can exist at, at a pretty high level. I think I'm going to start with what someone can agree with me on. If it's somebody that's not a Christian at all, uh, it is an incontrovertible, incontrovertible mm-hmm. fact that Jesus existed two thousand years ago. No meaningful scholar, Christian or secular, uh, disagrees with that. Like he absolutely existed 2000 years ago. And so then we have to start asking the question, okay, but how do we know he was God? Okay. Well, there's like a group of people that followed him very closely and gave their lives for him and said that he was God. And they didn't say that after he died, they were all ready to go back to their day job. And then something happened. And in a weekend, uh, What the scriptures say, he died and came back from the grave. They went from getting ready to walk away because it was socially inconvenient to follow a savior that was dead now to, um, in almost all cases, becoming martyrs. And you just, people just don't die for a lie. Nobody's gonna, nobody that, that is facing someone that's saying, just recant and I'll let you live. Nobody that doesn't believe the thing that they're saying is gonna die for that, and they all did over and over and over again. Some of the most powerful testimony in the early Church that we have, even outside the Bible, would be like James, the half-brother of Jesus, which, you know, you joke around, like, imagine being Jesus' baby brother. Like, (laughs) why can't you be more like your big brother? Like, that was James' entire life, and James didn't believe his brother Jesus was his Savior until after Jesus was resurrected. That Mm. feels like pretty big evidence of something happening. And then church history tells us that James was thrown down. He became the head of the Church of Jerusalem. He was thrown down from the temple in Jerusalem uh, by a Roman guard trying to get him to recant. And church history tells us that as the Roman soldier is above him on the ground while he's bleeding out, he's praying for the salvation of the guard. I'm like, that he mm-hmm. believed something happened with his brother. He mm-hmm. was, this was not some big, long con. Like, it was mm-hmm. a terrible idea that was very, very poorly executed, if that was the goal. And then when we look into the, the testimony of scriptures, we see Jesus over and over and over again in historic documents, both inside of and outside of the scriptures, perfectly fulfilling hundreds of promises and statements called messianic prophecies written verifiably hundreds of years before he was ever on earth. Uh, th- that is in my opinion, That is the definition of evidence that demands a verdict, right? And so much so that when we look at something like the book of Isaiah, and we find Isaiah 53, it's such an unbelievable description of the crucifixion and the scourging of Jesus that for years and years and years and years and years, secular scholars said, well, that had to clearly be written after Jesus' life and ministry because it's too specific, it's too detailed, and the only copies, the oldest copies of Isaiah that we had were from hundreds of years after Jesus' life. And so it was like a... Oh man. And then in the 40s we discovered uh, Qumran, uh, we' call the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, and in it we had uh, we had uh, evidence or we had manuscripts from the book of Isaiah from a thousand years earlier and hundreds of years before Jesus life uh, and that w- that were preserved. And so they open them up very carefully and they look at them and they find out, no no, no, all of this description, like supernaturally consistently from Isaiah 53 and passages like it, are identical to what we have. And so I just feel like the, the the path of history has confirmed that what the Bible said is true, that secular and religious scholars that have looked at the life of Jesus, even the most skeptical, will admit there is more here that meets the eye. Like, there's more mm-hmm. that we have to have an answer to. Mm-hmm. And so some people are gonna say, not enough for me to believe that that's God, other people are going to go, "Wow, that's an incredible evidence that pushes me towards faith." Mm-hmm. And I think, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know the the side that I land on. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And if you have an older brother, that story of James really resonates. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if my brother told me he was the savior, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: How about you, like, die for the whole world and come back from the grave? Exactly. Then I'll believe you. <laughs> Can you imagine the first conversation yeah. between Jesus and James after <laughs> yes. the resurrection? Like, bro, seriously, you had to one up me again. I know. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of compassion for James.
1: Mom <laughs> always says, "Be more like your older brothers." So do I have to die now too and yeah. come back to life?
2: That's so funny. Uh, yeah, they're like at another wedding, and Jesus so, is gone. Mary's yeah. like, "Hey, remember when your brother turned water into <laughs> yeah, a really good wine? That? Is that a mom? You, I can't do, can that. You do that. I yeah. Uh, yeah. That? I- okay. I'm just. Right, I just right. have
1: to say, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm, you know.
2: Mm-hmm
0: as only a jewish mother could Well wow. <laughs> that's yep. so funny it's good awesome well thanks phil thanks of for course. your time um excited as we are heading towards lent mm-hmm. as well that's really fun and excited to celebrate discover menlo that happened this past weekend yeah he's got some photos from some of the different campuses and shout out to anyone that went to that i think or it helped was host.
1: 150 people at all wow. four campuses wow. total mm-hmm. awesome wild yep. i mean amazing that's yep. amazing
0: Yep, as well as the parent seminar that happened this past weekend. Also, I think over
1: 150 people. yeah, Yeah,
0: yeah. So, great things happening here. Jess, anything that we should be on the lookout for coming up?
1: Yes, we've got Rise Against Hunger. I was just thinking that. February 3rd, Mm -hmm. uh, go to menlo.church slash events, um, and it's a food kit build happening at all of our campuses. You can sign up and help out with that. Uh, There was a really sweet story this past weekend in our offering moment um, about a girl who would come to her school, and just the teachers were like, she is so malnourished. Mm. And then at the school, Rise Against Hunger prepared or gave them lunches, wow. and so she was, over time, able to be nourished because of Rise Against Hunger. So uh, I think it's, it's all ages, so sign mm-hmm. up. Um, anybody, yep. bring your th- bring your three-year-old and bring your 95-year-old grandma, and you can come and do it. And We've done food kit builds for a long time, and I think we've partnered with Rise Against Hunger a couple of times, and it's just, it's, so it's a simple, really simple thing you can help out with that changes mm-hmm. lives, literally. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we, will,
2: we will supply hundreds of thousands of meals yeah. for people who are underserved and um, around the world. I just think it's, a, it's an easy yes. If you can yeah. make that date work, yeah. you pick a specific shift. If you have kids that you're like, I just don't want them to be entitled. I'm telling you, this is such an important mm-hmm. lesson to be able, like, my arm's tired. Like, yeah. man, I promise I get it, dude, but <laughs> we can push through. Let's talk about what, what difference this makes in the yeah. lives of people.
1: I've done those at Mountain View before when I was working there and it's so fun to see the kids that get so excited to get to scoop the rice or Mm -hmm. unpack the boxes or we had like, I remember one of our high school leaders, all of his boys were the ones who would collect the empty boxes and get to like break them down and it was like the best thing they ever got to do in their (laughs) lives and even something easy and simple like that is still helping tremendously.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll see you there. You can text us if you need anything. 650-600-0402. Thanks so much for your questions, and have a wonderful week, everybody.
1: Yay. Bye. See you
0: soon. See ya.